This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. At the end of the day, Donald Trump needs to be held accountable for his dirty deeds if, in fact, that's the way that the facts play out. Plain and simple, this is not about him. This is about holding accountability, truth to power, and everything else in between. Michael, Michael, Michael. It's been quite a week. I testified before the Manhattan District Grand Jury in the Trump hush money case. Twice. Stormy Daniels, the porn star who received $130,000 in the hush money, also spoke to Manhattan prosecutors. Well, the way these cases are built before a grand jury is, you escalate. Typically, you put your most important witnesses in at the end. Michael Cohen is probably the most important witness here. As Elliot notes, his testimony is corroborated by documents. I'm sure the grand jury has seen those. Clearly, the prosecution wants to know what Stormy Daniels would say uh, if she were called. So I think we're looking at uh, really the very immediate period, uh, weeks, if not days. And Trump is bracing for his very first criminal indictment. So things aren't just heating up in Manhattan. They're already hot. Five other unnamed grand jurors met together in a conference room with two Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporters and have revealed much more that should be deeply disturbing and worrisome for Donald Trump. Prosecutors in Georgia and in New York City now appear to be in a race with history. They both appear to be on the verge of being the first prosecutor in history to bring criminal charges against a former president of the United States. Things are also cooking in Fulton County, Georgia, where grand jurors in DA Fonnie Willis's election fraud case are talking. And one juror said, and I quote, I tell my wife if every person in America knew every single word of information that we knew, this country would not be divided as it is now, which is actually pretty hopeful. Another juror claimed, and I quote, a lot's going to come out sooner or later, and it's going to be massive, massive. It's also been revealed that the jurors understand why the public release of their full final report needs to wait until Willis makes indictment decisions, which can't come soon enough, but stand by for developments. This isn't good. A Trump-appointed federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, is now somehow in charge of women's reproductive health care everywhere. Welcome back to Red and Blue. A federal judge in Texas today heard arguments in a case that could impact the future of a frequently used and therefore well-known abortion pill. The pill was approved by the Food and Drug Administration more than two decades ago. Now, medication abortions are the most common method in the United States. Yes, just one extremely right-wing judge is gonna be making a decision on whether or not to ban one of two abortion drugs, not just for Texas, but all across our great land. This is all happening in Amarillo because conservatives know that if you want a hard right guy to do your bidding, you find a reason to bring your case to Judge Matthew Kazmarak's Amarillo courtroom. And guess what? He's a judge for life, thanks to Trump and Mitch McConnell pushing hard to get him through. With a stroke of his pen, he could conceivably cut off access to every woman and pregnant person in a nation of 300 million people. Now, you may be wondering, how is that possibly the case? And also, why is all this happening in Amarillo, Texas, of all places? And those are good questions. 
Because the first thing you have to understand is that the judge in question here is a product of one of Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump's most successful projects during Trump's four years in office. Together, they rammed through more than 200 new judges on the federal bench, many of whom are just obviously and avowedly right wing. Judge Kaczmarek is no exception. At 45 years old, Kaczmarek already has a long history of right wing conservative and anti-abortion beliefs. He led the College Republicans, the very conservative Abilene Christian University, where he wrote in the school newspaper, the Democratic Party's ability to condone the federally sanctioned eradication of innocent human life is indicative of the moral ambivalence undergirding this party. The case was originally brought in November by a conservative legal organization on behalf of who else? Anti-abortion rights medical associations. It basically targets the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the drug Mephepristone, one of two early pregnancy termination drugs. The anti-abortion associations requested Kazmarek to order the FDA to withdraw its 24-year-old approval of Mephepristone, arguing that the FDA rushed to greenlight the drug. Though proof of that is going to be hard to find. Millions of women have lost access to abortion care, um, especially here in Texas. So the access to medication abortion is one of the last options that we have. So last Wednesday, the arguments on both sides were witnessed by just about no one because Kazmarek has a small courtroom and wants to keep the whole case under wraps. No protesters and no press would be his preference. The intentional downplaying of the case is just one more strike against a judge who is not known for his even-handed approach to the law. And it's such a fucking shame that the guardrails around women's privacy rights that Supreme Justices Alito and Thomas assured us were in place after the Dobbs decision are in fact nowhere to be found. The plaintiffs here are asking the judge uh, for a preliminary injunction if that were granted, would that mean the FDA couldn't dispense this abortion, this abortion medication in all 50 states? Yes, correct. So when preliminary injunctions are issued, oftentimes it will prevent something from happening all across the country while the hearing proceeds. In this case, it would prevent the sale of a commonly used abortion drug um, from being used in states across the country, whether or not abortion is banned in those places. Lawyers for the Biden administration have said that they are unable to find any case where a court has second-guessed the FDA and ordered a widely used drug to be removed from the market much less after being on the market for, yeah, two fucking decades. More chaos around abortion is not what anyone needs, but putting a judge on this case who's like a Handmaid's Tale commander type is adding insult to injury. The Biden administration has said that should Kazmarek rule against the FDA, they will appeal. <laughs> So add another bank to the unstable list. Shares of Switzerland's second biggest bank, Credit Suisse, were down over 20% on Wednesday after the bank acknowledged it found, and I quote, material weakness in its financial reporting. However, the bank's largest investor, yep, Saudi National Bank, is said to be rushing in with an infusion of cash to help keep Credit Suisse afloat and Switzerland's central bank promised a $54 billion bailout on Thursday. 
but what it all means in the long run for the banking sector remains to be seen. And Credit Suisse also has greater ties to the global financial system. And if it were to fail, it would have a huge global impact. The whole point of stress testing is for someone on the outside of the bank to say, hmm, what could go wrong here? And to make sure that the bank could withstand those kinds of problems, like a sudden increase in interest rates. That's the point behind the stress testing. And for these banks to say, not to worry, we're testing ourselves, is truly laughable. The implications here are that banks don't self-regulate very well. Elizabeth Warren and her acolyte Katie Porter appear to already be on the case. But we know that during Trump's deregulation spree, some Dodd-Frank safeguards magically disappeared, and presto! The fucking banks aggressively took a lot of risk and gave big fat fucking bonuses to CEOs and the higher-ups. It's the job of regulators to stop them from lining their own pockets. But we dropped that fucking ball in 2018 when a number of Democrats voted with Republicans to loosen the restrictions. Since its passage in 2010, Dodd-Frank has dealt a huge blow to community banking. As a candidate, I pledged that we would rescue these community banks from Dodd-Frank, the disaster of Dodd-Frank, and now we are keeping that commitment, and all of the people with me are keeping that commitment. We passed and signed a record number of bills terminating job-killing regulations. In the history of our country, no president, whether it's four years, eight years, or 16 years in one case, has ever passed more regulation cuts. Since the Silicon Valley bank crash, another mid-sized bank, Signature Bank, failed over the weekend and the government stepped in. Well, here's a little fun fact for you. Ivanka Trump was on the board of Signature Bank for several years until 2013. And then in 2021, the bank closed the former president's personal and business accounts on the heels of the Capitol riots. And so to quote, to witness a rioter sitting in the presiding chair of the United States Senate and our elected representatives being told to seek cover under their seats is appalling and an insult to the Republic, said Signature Bank as they shut Trump down. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election and everyone knows it especially the other side. Now, experts are speculating why certain banks are crashing. Both SVB and Signature Bank are heavily intertwined with crypto assets. And both of them took a serious hit as Fed rate hikes caused a meltdown in cryptocurrency values. But to say the bank cratered due to woke ideology is just the bullshit magas like to say when they're passing the buck. Am I defining woke? Because it's come up a couple times and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that um, I... This is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. Venture capitalist and big Trump donor Peter Thiel sparked the SVB bank run when he told his VCs to take their money and go. And now, Trump-loving billionaire Bill Ackman is begging for an SVB bailout. 
It's all just money to them and not people. And you know that they hate the Biden administration until, yeah, guess the fuck what, until they need a bailout. But again, this shit has nothing to do with woke anything. It's just greedy capitalists pushing the envelope and literally breaking the bank. Thinking a bank run is the tale as old as time, right? But being able to do a bank run off your phone is what isn't, right? That a few people can get on Twitter, start tweeting out, get out, get out, get out. And suddenly $42 billion needs to leave your coffers within 24 hours. I mean, that's an impossibility and something that we have to deal with. I want to say something about what the Post said, you know, if it was a a MAGA bank. It basically was. Peter Thiel was one of the top five biggest VCs there. Huge backer Donald Trump 2016, 2020. So here's a couple of bits and pieces. The Biden administration is treating a TikTok ban as if its Chinese owners don't sell their stake in the company. Long considered the easiest way to spy on Americans without any hassle, TikTok is a popular video share site. That just so happens to be owned by the Beijing-based company, ByteDance. The company is now promising to spend $15 billion to safeguard the site from Chinese access or influence, in hopes that we don't shut them out of our lives. The story is still evolving, but if you watch TikTok, just imagine what they must really know about all of us right now. And in a vaguely related story, the best budding criminal associate of Steve Bannon, Guo Wengui, was arrested on Wednesday. First time I can remember hearing about Guo Wenguo was back in August of 2020. That's when Steve Bannon, do you remember this? He was arrested on federal fraud charges. He was accused of using money donated to an organization he was part of called Build the Wall, the Southern Border, to line his own pockets. And the people that arrested Bannon were US Postal Service inspectors on the yacht of a Chinese billionaire off the coast of Connecticut. Struck me as kind of odd at the time. Well, the Chinese billionaire who owned the yacht is known as Guo Wenguo. He made his fortune in Chinese real estate, but fled China in 2014 when he was accused of bribery and embezzlement. The Chinese tycoon was wanted in New York on charges that he oversaw a $1 billion fraud conspiracy. His business partner, Qin Mingji, is still on the lam. But in the meantime, Wenguo is being charged with various crimes, including wire securities and bank fraud. U.S. prosecutors said that the indictment stemmed from a complex scheme in which Wenghui lied to hundreds of thousands of online followers in the United States and elsewhere before misappropriating hundreds of millions of dollars of their money. It's a con as old as time, and oddly, well, not really oddly, Steve Bannon was on Wenghui's 150-foot mega yacht when he was arrested. Now that yacht has since been confiscated, but if all goes well, well, Wenghui and Steve Bannon will end up behind bars for a very, very long time. Smart, don't start, kick the habit, put it out before it puts you out. These are all phrases that we've heard thousands of times over and over and over again. Yet we still continue to have bad habits. Like I have one, I scratch, my mom used to slap me on the hand, say stop it, stop it, I'm always scratching at my knuckles. 
Our sponsor today is Fume, and Fume is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. Now, Fume is not a vape. It's a non-electronic device designed to transform your negative habits. So instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. I mean, just a few days ago, I got my Fume's new version 2 model, which, by the way, happens to be snappy and tactile. It has an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap, so my fingers are always, they always have something to do, and I find myself not scratching. I mean, it looks great, it feels great, and it tastes great. Look, I didn't expect much out of Fume when I first got it, but the minty sensation is really powerful, and it really hits the back of the throat. Now, the easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one. And Fume is designed to perfectly do just that. It's Fume's goal to make switching easy and, more importantly, enjoyable. They have thousands of five-star reviews from people just like you who've successfully switched when other solutions just didn't work. So I want each and every one of you to head over right now and try Fume.com and use promo code MAYACOPA to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's try Fume and use MAYACOPA to save an additional 10% off your order today. That's T R Y. F-U-M dot com. And again, use promo code MAYACOPA to save an additional 10% off your order today. And now for the main event. We welcome back to the show politician, radio talk show host, podcaster, and former Republican Joe Walsh. Walsh was elected to the House of Representatives in 2011 from Illinois' 8th District. He also ran for president and then blew up his life when he spoke out against the MAGA cult and gave Trump the bird. So to quote Joe, Republicans have become fully radicalized and anti-democracy. Joe's podcast, White Flag, strives to find a path to unite, not divide us politically, but he pulls no punches in his latest book either, Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian con man that he is. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Joe, I'm glad that you're here with me today because you get what's going on in the Republican circles. So you just had Dinesh D'Souza on your show. And he's the guy, just to remind my audience, he's the moron that made that propaganda film, 2,000 Mules, and then perpetuated the big lie. What does he have to say for himself now? Hey, Michael, first off, great to be with you. Secondly, I am, I'm such a fan, man. Keep doing what you've been doing. Uh, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. Keep doing God's work out there, speaking the and truth. Keep praying, and um, keep praying for me. <laughs> this is gonna, this is not easy. This gonna, whole thing man. is not easy. You're being put through the freaking ringer. You need thoughts and prayers. Keep strong, brother. Keep strong. Look, I think you know. Call me crazy, but I, I think it's important to talk to everybody. 
Uh, this country is idiotically divided. People on the right, I like Dinesh, are dividing us. He still believes, Michael, it was a stolen election. I wanted him to explain to me how the hell that could be because I want people to understand what's going through his head. And I wanted to push back on some of his crap. And what did he say to you when you turn around and you say, explain to me how the election was stolen? I mean, I get it. I get it that based upon Donald's statements, based upon, you know, the um, sycophantic followers continuation, like the Rudy Kaludis and so on, uh, the Mike Lindell's, the Mike Pillow moron. I get it. I do. I really get it for 24 hours and then reality sets in and then you turn around and you find that for example it wasn't a thumb drive of some sort of uh algorithmic program that changes votes from donald trump to joe biden it was a mint that was given between one the mom to the daughter or the daughter to the mom so what does he say to you how does he explain this documentary this pro- this propaganda film yeah you're, well, you're right michael and by the way the 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 conversation's out today the podcast is white flag with joe walsh everybody go listen Please listen to, to, it, to it. Dinesh D'Souza. here's what he does here's what he does michael and and again you know like trump's an idiot and most of the people around trump are idiots and they all throw out this stolen uh, election bullshit dinesh says he didn't realize it was stolen until a year later He found these 2,000 mules. Uh, These were people that unnamed groups, Michael, he says, hired to stuff ballot boxes with fraudulent ballots. Something like 400,000 of them in three or four states. He made a movie about it called 2,000 Mules. But here's the funny thing, Michael. So we're talking about it, and I'm walking him through it. And I said, Dinesh, there's no proof that this happened, right? And he actually agreed. He said, at the end of the day, there's no proof, but we need to look into it. Well, there's a lot of things that we need to look into. I'm not so sure that is one. By the way, don't worry about looking into it. You know who is? Fonnie Willis. So don't worry about it. You're going to get all the information you need. And you know what? Those people that were promoting the lie, they're going to understand what promoting a lie is all about. Absolutely. And look. One of the things, Absolutely. one of the things that you know we also have to worry about here is, um, as a result of this propaganda bullshit by Trump and this crazy group of people, we really do have Fuck to yeah. understand that there's a real serious problem that the country could be facing as we head into the 2024 election. Now, the good thing is thanks to your show, thanks to Maya Culpa, my political beatdown, thanks to, you know, Justice Matters and Lincoln Project and, you know, um, all, yep. all of this, all of this, that Donald Trump's popularity is waning. Now, a lot of people don't want to talk about that. I don't know the reason why you don't see anybody talking about it, but the Des Moines Register actually about three, four or five days ago put out a article And it says, you know, many Iowa Republicans remain committed to Donald Trump, but the former president is seeing his support erode as campaigning begins to heat up ahead of Iowa's 2024 presidential caucuses. And that's from the New Des Moines Register. 
Yeah. Trump, who launched a third hey. White House bid last year, has seen his favorability numbers in the first in the nation caucus state steadily decline amongst Republicans since they peaked in September of 2021. That's important. And it's important because I do believe more people are beginning to understand that the Dinesh D'Souza's of the world, the Joe Tacopinas of the world, the Alina Hababas, right? The Rudy Kaludi drunken Giuliani's, <laughs> right? The Mike Lindell's. They look at them like the babbling buffoons that they are. And they're saying to themselves, okay, you know what? A lot of this shit is funny, but this isn't who I want going forward in 2024. I like to be entertained, no different than going to the circus, right? But I really don't want this ass clown to be our president. He's too dangerous. You seeing the same thing? So I, I, I love you like a brother, a younger brother. Um, but no, I disagree with my younger brother, Michael Cohen. You put a gun to my head right now, man. Uh, Trump's the nominee in 24. If I'm in Vegas and I'm putting 10 grand down, Trump's the nominee. His, his numbers have actually bounced up. And, and, here, and I talk, Michael, here's what makes me different from other never Trumpers. I come from the base. I come from the cult. I still engage with these people every fucking day. There is still a large percentage of them that are tied to him. And here's the other thing, Michael. If they're not tied to him, they're tied to this thing called DeSantis. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't know who DeSantis is, but every DeSantis supporter is a Trump supporter. They're only supporting DeSantis because they think he can win. Uh, I, I know DeSantis. I don't think DeSantis is going to do well once he gets out there. But these are all Trump supporters. And there's, they, they then will still be with him because I don't see Pence or Haley or Pompeo or any of these people reaching that crazy mega base. Yeah, well, I agree with you. Though, again, I'm going to go back to my Des Moines register. I'm just running it off of the facts. And I'm so thankful that we have somebody that really understands the inner circle the real inner workings of the GOP. But according to, again, the Des Moines Register, the percentage of Iowa Republicans who said that they would definitely, and this is, I guess, to your point, vote for Donald if he were the nominee in 2024, has plummeted by more than 20 percentage points, and that's since June of 2021. Now, does that mean that most... Hey, Michael, Michael, most of the polling I've seen in the last two months show Donald with a rebound. Um, and, and actually doing better in a number of polls. But here's the takeaway. Between Trump and DeSantis, they're taking like 80, 84 percent of the Republican vote right now. Trump and DeSantis. Nobody else is even on the map. That Trump, DeSantis, 80 to 84 percent, that's the base. That's all Trumpy people. So, so DeSantis and Trump are fighting for the same. Look, Michael, the nominee is either going to be Trump or it's going to be the Trumpiest son of a bitch out there. And right now they think that's DeSantis. Wow. Well, let me ask you this then. What's with right wing media and politicians out there saying that the Silicon Valley Bank SVB collapse has something to do with a woke ideology? Is Peter Thiel, sud I mean, is Peter Thiel suddenly woke? I mean, no, it's just it's just more spin. 
I don't even understand how you take a bank's collapse and attach it to the woke ideology. It just goes to show you they don't even understand the concept of woke. Don't Republicans read anything other than their propaganda papers? Here's the problem. And Michael, you're spot on. And, and, and Tucker Carlson, Hannity, all the rest of them, all they do is talk about woke because they want to play this culture war bullshit. I used to do that, Michael. It pays. When you go after this culture war bullshit in right wing media, people listen to you. And the Republicans, the, the elected officials, they know it's bullshit. Woke banks, as you said, what the hell is that? But they're afraid to speak out because they don't want to get on the bad side of Tucker. They don't want to get on the bad side of Hannity or Laura Ingram, just like they never wanted to get on the bad side of Rush Limbaugh. So they keep their mouths shut. And so all this propaganda keeps going out there. It just, it, again, it just doesn't make sense. I saw this great video of a GOPer, a real Trump supporter, that was promoting, and I forget who she is. I'm angry at myself for forgetting. But the host said to her, you keep using the word woke. And I'm not oh, so yeah. sure that you even understand what it means. So why don't you tell us what woke means to you? And she, she did like a, a tachypina on Ari Melber show. And I sat there and I was yeah. saying to myself, that's the problem. That's the problem. And I wish that this video would have gone more viral than it did because it shows the exact issue that we keep talking about. Woke has nothing yeah. to do with Silicon Valley Bank. It has nothing to do with the problems now of First Republic Bank or Signature Bank or any of the other banks that are unfortunately affected by what took place here. It's nothing to do with it at all. In fact, woke is nothing more than an adjective. Right? It's derived from African-American vernacular, and all it means is it's an alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. That's all that it is. And it's designed, it was really a, um, it's a, it's a yeah. course, is really what it was, in yeah. understanding another culture's impact on society. We're talking about, we'll talk about the, the black culture on American society and the advancements and the things that they have contributed to America. But where woke bothers these individuals, like this woman on, the, on that video, or the Tucker Carlson's, or the Hannity's, or the Ingram's, what do they all have in common? And the answer is, they're all white. And it's all about yeah. white privilege and the desire, the fervent desire to keep that white privilege at any cost. Hey, hey, Michael, you, you spot on, man. I, I mean this. And again, I, I'm a reform gangbanger, brother. I used to be in right wing media. And look, the money is you make money in right wing media if you can scare the hell out of your audience, if you can piss them off and outrage them. And so that's what Hannity and Tucker do every single night is outrage them, get them wound up. And you nailed it. This notion of woke is just becoming aware of systemic injustices. But the truth, Michael, as you said, is 
most of the right is white. And most of my former friends and supporters on the right, they're scared to death of this notion of woke. It scares them. And Hannity and Tucker play off of that, these racial fears, and they poke them. Tucker pokes them every night, and they get wound up and they're afraid. And, but it, again, it just doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, Michael, as long as it scares the shit out of their audience. That's because all. Because if you look at, for example, statistics, if you look at example uh, examples that are out there, the fact that they keep claiming that this bank went under because of yeah. woke America, not, there's not one person out there that can give you not just an intelligent answer, even a stupid answer as to how and why this, this is even being attached to a collapse of a bank. It just doesn't make any sense. Why? Are they going to turn around and say, for example, that SVB Bank was run by a black man or a black woman? Or a person who's a minority? First of all, it wasn't. And the same with First Republic Bank. Right. It's, are they going to say because a teller may be black? That therefore it's woke? We have too many black tellers? I mean, what the fuck are they trying to pour? What are they trying to promote hey, here? Hey, 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 Michael. Michael, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, told his Republican conference privately this week to shut up with this woke stuff. Stop talking about woke banks. And they all pushed back against him. And they said, no, we're going to keep talking about it. Uh, because they know it resonates with their base voters. It's a shame. I, again, let me just go right back to this thing. How does it resonate with their voters? Why is it resonating with their voters? It just doesn't make sense. How about the fact that the bank took risks that they should not have taken, right? They were buying bonds and so on. And then, of course, everything changed because of interest rates and so on. And so the value of the asset became diminished. And then there was a run on the banks for money because people started hearing about, you know, um, the fact that they made some bad investments, which, again, they should not have done. You know, there's there's supposed yeah. to be whole teams there that make sure that if one goes down, another sector goes up so that the bank's liquidity doesn't come into question. But I just don't understand how even their supporters could possibly believe this shit. Michael, Michael, everything you just said, you lost every Republican base voter because they don't even go there. They don't they don't understand any of that. You asked me, how does it resonate with these people? The people who used to listen to me on the radio and listen to Hannity every day. How does it resonate with them? Here's how. These are people, Michael, who want 1954 America back. This is what they tell me when America was mostly a white country and men were men, women were women and men married women and women married men. And you could say Merry Christmas. They tell me they want this thing back. So if you can blame even a bank run on some sort of woke gender race thing, that resonates with them because that's their fear. Wow. Well, 
God, God, it's God, God, God it's, bless, God it's bless scary, them in their stupidity. You know, it's got to be wonderful to live in that type of a, uh, of a world where you're so stupid that you're going to sit and listen to nonsense that you know is absolute nonsense, but you want to buy it because it fits some sort of white privilege agenda that you think is going to continue. I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, I, but, but Michael, you don't. It, 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 what pisses me off, Michael, is I get pissed at Tucker and Hannity and and Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and all these people who know better, but are pushing this woke bank bullshit. They they know the truth, but they're lying to these people. OK, so when you're young, spring break is all about what you take off as an adult. You're supposed to make it about what you put on. Lounge anywhere from poolside to inside in your new Tommy John loungewear. When you wear Tommy John, you're just that much more comfortable, so you can do everything better. Tommy John loungewear, pajamas, and underwear have dozens of comfort innovations, like the luxuriously soft tri-blend and micromodal fabrics that have four-way stretch. Tommy John's been covering our butts now for 15 years, protecting our most valuable assets with softness and style. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, people love Tommy John. I mean, like me, that's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. One Tommy John fanatic was raving, and he said, I bought one pair of loungewear, and after wearing them for two days, I then went out and I got all the colors that were available. Me personally, I love wearing my Tommy John Lux French Terry Lounge shorts because they're really light and comfy for spring, and you should too. And everything's backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. So shop Tommy John's colorful new spring designs at TommyJohn.com slash Cohen and get 20% off your first order. Save 20% right now at TommyJohn.com slash Cohen. See site for details. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you believe that there's, that there's any truth to that rumor out there that Peter Thiel, Elon Musk... Coke Industries, these sort of extremely, extremely wealthy Republicans or libertarians, right, are happy for banks yeah. to fail because it actually helps them to destabilize democracy? I, uh, I, boy, Michael, I'd have a hard time believing that. And I'm pretty libertarian myself. Um, I, I, that, that seems like a fairly radical mindset. To me now, I will say that generally, the wealthy end up doing well when shit like this goes down, uh, and especially all the wealthy were bailed out with this latest bank bailout. But no, I'd I'd find that far fetched. Do you buy that? You know, um, I don't our, know enough. You know more so than I do I about that. Our ideology today has just fallen off of the cliff. Right. And I know that's one of Trump's favorite Paul Ryan, you know, videos yeah. and so on. The old lady going over the side of the cliff in her yeah. wheelchair. And there is this competition amongst these uber billionaires to want to be number one. Now, I, I, yep. I get that. I, I get 
competition. I get wanting to be number one, whether it's tennis, whether it's the Super Bowl winner, whether it's the, you know, the World Series winner. I get it. Everybody yeah. wants to be number one. But at what cost? Seriously, at what cost do you, do you want this to happen? You want to destabilize yeah. democracy so that what? That you could become the richest person in America? And here's the problem and something that they all are forgetting. Let's say hypothetically, Elon Musk remains as the richest American that's out there. Koch brothers, whatever, uh, whichever one is still alive, yeah. Peter Thiel, whoever that person is going to be. And somewhere along the line, Donald Trump ends up winning the election. 2024. Let me be very clear to each and every one of them. It makes no difference that you supported him. It makes no difference that you donated a million dollars to the presidential inaugural committee. It makes no difference that you helped to pave the way for this untruth social that's soon going to file bankruptcy. It yep. makes no difference that you are a vocal supporter that you go to these stupid events at Mar-a-Lardo, right, for a half a million bucks per couple, makes no difference. Yeah. The first opportunity that he has to pull a Mohammed Ben oh, Salman, yeah. he will do it. Oh, he yeah. will round all of you up. He will bring you to his Doral country club. He will put you in that gaudy catering facility room of his with the same cots that MBS used, and he will have you sign over all of your wealth. Rest assured of it. You can <laughs> laugh about it. You can turn around and scratch your head. Yeah. Stop it, Michael. It's not you. The first opportunity that he has to come over to Elon Musk and say, Elon, how much are you worth? How much money are you worth these days? And he turns to Elon and says, well, I'm worth uh, you know, $300 million. Donald says, you think so? Really? How much are you really worth? She goes, Donald, my stock is worth with everything $300 million. I want you to sign over 299 of it right now. I'm going to be a good man. I'm going to be kind to you. And I'm going to leave you with a billion dollars. That's all you need. I mean, nobody really needs more than a billion anyway. You could basically, with a billion dollars, buy anything that you want. I need you to sign over the 299 right now. Or, all right, hang them. Do exactly what MBS did. Hang them up by the necks until they end up signing it over. And he'll do that because Donald Trump, in his heart and soul, is nothing more than an authoritarian, a dictator, he got a, a supreme leader wannabe. That's who he is. So all of these fucking idiots with all of their billions of dollars, Elon could come up with another invention to take us to an alternate universe. The fact that he doesn't see the truth about the danger of Donald Trump to democracy, that's a real problem. Hey, hey, Michael, it's a real problem. And without getting into your specifics, here's what I know for sure. If he's reelected, um, it'll be four years of a vendetta and it will be four years of revenge against all of his enemies. 
He's made that clear. Michael Cohen, you're on that list. I will be on that list. It'll be the wealthy, wealthy, and then it'll be all the rest of us who have fought him tooth and nail. I, I know that for a fact, that he's going to use every power he's got to go after his enemies. Let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm number one on the list? You're on the start. Hey, hey, Michael Cohen, you're in the starting five, baby. You're in the starting five. Because I, mean, I, really, I really, in this case, I really don't want to be number one, <laughs> to be honest with you. You know, yeah. I'd rather be, I'd rather be, you know, somewhere down the list a little bit. You know, let him go after, you know, somebody else if that's, you know. Donald, if you're listening, you know, I don't mind being on that list. I, I acknowledge it, but I prefer to be not be number one in this case. You will be a Michael in, in the photo, in the team photo of Trump's enemies. You're in the front row, brother. Yeah, great. I'll be in the back row. You're in the front row. No. Great. But you know that and you'd be ready. For yeah, it, period. yeah. Except I have to be honest with you when you have already lived through the weaponization yeah. of the Department of Justice at the hands of a willing and complicit bloviated scumbag attorney general who thinks that he yeah. is the new pit bull. He's the new fixer, the new, you know, um, Ray Donovan for Donald J. Trump or for the president. It's a real problem because they come at you in ways that you can't even understand. And they understand yep. you because they have done enough investigation into you. They know what your weaknesses are. Mine happens to be my family. Everybody knows that. Yep. And so what did the yep. Southern District of New York did? What did uh, Tom McKay, Nick Roos, you know, um, Andrea Griswold, what did they do? They went after my family. Yep. And yep. I question any spouse who in the same situation that I was in wouldn't have done exactly the same thing that I did. Yeah, I pled guilty to things exactly. I didn't do. Now, there are things I did do, and I own that. I own you it. You owned it. But the five counts of tax evasion, it's just not true. Read Revenge. Read Revenge. I go through the yeah. whole fucking thing. The HELOC, that's not even, it's, it's, not, it, it's the stupidest of all of them. But it doesn't matter. When they threatened in 48 hours, 48 hours, to go ahead and indict my wife? Come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm married. I'm married to her for 28 years. Yeah, of course I protect her with my life. I protect my children with my life. That's what I'm here for. And they knew that. And that's why they gave me 48 hours over a weekend. You see, if it was, if it was yeah. a Monday to a Wednesday, who knows? Maybe I would have gone down to Washington. Maybe I would have been able to do something. Yeah. I could have maybe filed an emergency you know, injunction or something against the Southern District of New York with a court. And really made it. But no, on a, on a Friday night at 5.30 to a, to a Monday, first thing in the morning, what time do you have to do anything? You don't. Nothing. Right? Hey, you talk, Michael, you talk about weaponization of government. Like that's what Republicans are investigating right now. You were the victim of the weaponization of government, period. And a lot of people like well, you. Uh, I appreciate that. And I, I, I want to do a little shout out here. And, you know, it started when Jim Jordan, who's now heading the subcommittee on government weaponization, and I was so hopeful for him. And I've said this yep. before on the show, and I, I get angry at myself for being stupid, but I was actually hopeful that Jim Jordan, who's a member of Congress, 
actually cares about democracy, cares about this country. No, this subcommittee is a partisan attack organization against the Biden administration. And I want to be clear about this to all my listeners. If, in fact, the Biden administration yeah. weaponized anyone or anything, even against Donald Trump and or his kids or anybody else, they should be held accountable. That sort of bullshit just should not fly in America. However, as said by Jamie Raskin, and God bless him because, you know, he's going through his own personal health issues. Nevertheless, this juggernaut, this democratic, yeah. this democracy juggernaut goes ahead and with a bandana on his head, gets up there and excoriates Jim Jordan because Jim refuses to acknowledge the weaponization that existed in the Trump administration, despite all of the clear evidence that's there. And Jim just walks away from it. No, no, no. Michael Cohen lied during the House Oversight Committee. Really? What did I lie about? You may not have liked my answers, pal, but I lied about nothing. Yeah. Zero. All right. Then I have to do another shout out because a week later, here comes Congressman Steve Cohen. No relation from Tennessee. And God bless him. Yeah. This is a guy that cares about America. And this second juggernaut steps up and he goes head to head because he's on that committee with Jim Jordan as well over the same yeah. thing. How can you talk about going forward when you refuse to acknowledge what happened yesterday? Right? Hey, one Michael, last, one last, I, one last I, point, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah. Here comes the freshman congressman. This, this yeah. battle dog. He's a battle dog. Dan Goldman. Right? This yeah. brilliant guy, another juggernaut for democracy, gets up there. And though he didn't use my name, he says, but what about Donald Trump's weaponizing of the Department of Justice when he jailed? And that's what they did. They fucking jailed me, dude. They jailed me because yeah. I was putting out a book. And he turns around and he says, he jailed his former personal attorney because I wanted to write a book. Judge Alvin K. Hellerstein was the most succinct and I have a lawsuit pending against it, but there's problems there because the Supreme Court, with the overturning of Todd, destroyed the Bivens case, even though Justice yeah. Thomas talks about if it's the most unique situation. Well, what could be more unique than the former president, through his attorney general, making the very first political prisoner out of a critic because I wanted to publish a book? How is Donald not being held accountable for this? Instead, the only one that's held accountable is me for doing what? For paying a porn star not to talk, well, for hope, paying a porn star Michael, not to talk about pulling changes. his mushroom pecker? Let's hope that fucking changes. Let's hope Trump is held accountable. Look, I served with Jordan. Jordan and I, Jim Jordan and I were best friends. Michael, we've talked about this before. Jim Jordan sold his soul. And he's not alone. The vast majority of Republicans sold their soul to Trump and Trumpism. They stopped believing in democracy. Remember, Jordan and I would yell about the debt, the debt when Obama was president. As soon as Trump became president, Jordan stopped talking about the debt. They sold their soul. And, and here you bring up great examples of members of Congress who are defending democracy. What do they have in common, Michael? They're all Democrats. My former party ain't doing it anymore. They're 
They're opposed to democracy. That's where we are. Are you not able any longer to speak to Jim Jordan? He, he hasn't taken my call in a few years. Really? You know, you know, you know pr pretty, Michael, pretty much when I came out publicly against Trump five years ago and said, I'm going after him with everything I got, they all tried to talk me out of it. They all tried to talk me out of not doing my stupid primary challenge against him. But once I did it and I was out there and I kept banging away at Trump, they stopped talking. How do we get somebody like Jim Jordan back? I do truly believe, I really do believe, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful but I'm not optimistic, that he really does care about the country and his constituents. And what you need to do, so what somebody needs to do is drill it through his head like what my family, my wife, my children did to me. They drilled it yeah. through my head. Your loyalty belongs to your family and your country, not to one man, because that's not a president. That's a dictator, right? And so, and it's true. Is there no way for you to speak to Jim Jordan? Could you imagine if finally the guy comes out and he turns around and he goes, you know what? I got to hold this man accountable, meaning Donald Trump, for the things that he has done wrong. I must hold him accountable as a member of Congress because not that, not that I want to see anything happen, only if in fact that he did something wrong, but because I care about the GOP and the future of this country. Michael. Michael, I want to slap you upside the head, but I know you've had a tough week, so I won't. Mm. The minute Jordan does that, he's done politically. The minute I came out against Trump five years ago, I was done politically. The minute Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger came out, they're done. So for Jordan to do that, or any Republican to do that, they have to say to themselves, I'm taking a fucking blowtorch to my career. Period. And that's hard to do. Well, they're politicians, Michael. They want to get reelected, man. It sucks. Yeah. And it's worse than sucks. So let me ask you this then. Is there an awareness amongst general conservative constituents that the Republican Party is now leaning towards fascism? Or at the very least, I mean, some version of a plutocracy or an autocracy? And if so, are they happy to see democracy decay and ultimately be extinguished? Uh, uh, many aren't happy, Michael, and they just quietly leave. But here's the problem. This is what the Republican Party base wants. You and I talked about how they want 1954 America back. Um, look, they don't believe, the voters don't believe democracy, the democratic process, can get that back for them. So they want a fucking strong man to get it back, which is why they love Trump, which is why they love what DeSantis is doing. So, see, that's where the voters are, the most energetic Republican voters. And everybody else, just all the other Republicans, just say they stay quiet. Because they don't want to piss off those voters. Again, it's like I'm 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 so frustrated at all of the at the level of stupidity. I'm so frustrated at the well, level of disdain for 
our constitution and democracy. I don't understand what they're thinking. You know, they put their hands on the Bible, they get sworn in as members of Congress, and then at the same step, they're sitting there and they're pledging allegiance to Donald J. Trump, the fucking dumbest buffoon that you could ever ever meet in your life a guy who can't spell for shit use you know he went after me on the on his twitter um uh, social uh whatever the hell it's called yeah and, i mean he uses the word acquisition instead of what he meant was accusation i mean it's yeah and this is the guy with the best words the big brain ah come on Hey, Michael, Michael, and I love you, man. Don't ever lose the righteous anger I'm hearing now. You better keep that righteous anger. Look, our job, Michael, at this moment in American history, our job is to beat them. There are more of us than there are MAGA. There are more of us. Because I come from MAGA, Michael, part of my job is to try to convert them and try to save some of them. That's what I do every week. But for the rest of us, for everybody listening to you and I right now, our only job in 24 is to beat them. We just have to beat them. Yeah. Period. It's listen, um, it's a threat. It, it's a real threat. So let's switch. Let, let's yeah. switch gears for a second. And we're going to talk about Ron DeSantis for a second, because yeah. after years of support, Ron DeSantis has turned his back on Ukraine and said that the Russian invasion is a, and I quote, regional dispute. Why, in your opinion, are Republicans increasingly becoming the party of Putin and no longer the party of Reagan? So um, uh, DeSantis said that. He came out and gave his middle finger to Ukraine this week because Michael DeSantis knows that's where the Republican base is. Like you and I know Donald believes it, like Donald loves Putin. Donald is Putin's puppet. DeSantis only did this. Uh, for, it, it was a political move. He knows this is what the base wants to hear. He wants the nomination. The problem, Michael, is, and I saw this when I was a Republican, there's a strand in the Republican Party that embraces authoritarianism. Once Trump got elected, it's out there, baby. I mean, they came out from under their rock. And you want to listen to somebody who who uh, speaks for Republican voters, the base? It's Tucker Carlson every night. Listen to Tucker Carlson every night. That's where the Republican base is. Ron DeSantis knows that. Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson said a year and a half ago, he's rooting for Putin. He knows that's where his audience is. Okay. So in one in part of answering this the question, you reference Donald as being Putin's puppet. Yeah. And I want to tell you that he's not. He is not Putin's puppet. He's too stupid to be Putin's puppet. And in fact, <laughs> he would be considered as Malcolm Nance once turned around and, and called him, he would be a useful idiot in yeah. spy language. Let me tell you. Yeah. Why? He is so mesmerized by Vladimir Putin. Many, many years ago, people had told Donald that Vladimir Putin is the richest man on earth. Uh, that Donald, in, that um, Vladimir Putin, in fact, owns 25% of all of Russia. 
And I remember once Donald showing me a newspaper clipping. And that newspaper clipping had, I think it was like um, 12 cargo um, trucks filled with oil heading to the right and four going to the left. And the article distinguished why one was going to the right and one was going to the left. The four belonged to Putin. The 12 belonged to all of Russia. And then they valued that, you know, that cargo at something like $20 million, give or take. So Putin there, right, had $8 million. The rest of the country had 12. And that's just a small movement of um, of crude that was being transported. That fascinated Donald. Now, imagine this autocratic wannabe taking over the United States of America. The greatest economy in the world, the biggest economy, right? The strongest military in the world with the greatest technology advancements. This man, in his mind, could technically control the world. And he sees himself as the Vladimir Putin of America, who I wouldn't be shocked. I'm telling you, the first move that he would make, take over Canada. Let's go to our borders, Mexico. (laughs) You know, it sounds funny. It sounds funny. And it sounds like some crazy fucking, uh, like, episode of... What whatever that television show is, uh, um, the one with Kevin Spacey, uh, um, where they where they fly, oh. they fly anyway. So it sounds it yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. like one of those sort of crazy episodes that you laugh about, or even a South Park episode where he's going to take yeah. over Canada. This is really scary because I know the man, and I know the way he thinks, and I'm telling you. This is real. And the scariest thing in the world is going to be, first of all, who's going to stop you from taking over Canada if the president of the United States, who's now decided he's never leaving office ever again. And rest assured, if Donald ever took over office, he will never leave. He will not. He will make it into a monarchy, which is dangerous. Well, and by the way, Michael, by the way, Michael, everything you're saying right now may sound crazy, but remember, maybe like five, six, seven years ago, if you and I would have said that a sitting president would incite an insurrection, people would have thought we were crazy. So after the last seven years of Trump, nothing should be considered crazy. And you know, and Nothing. the funny thing, too, is what Donald would turn around and say while sitting around his generals, right, which would be Don and Eric and maybe Barron, depending upon his age, right? And you'll have Admiral Melania. What can they do to stop us? Canada doesn't really have an army. They're not a military might. So what are they going to do? And then they'll just take it over. And the same shit with Mexico. You think we can't roll our tanks in to Mexico and t- 
take the place over in a couple of days? That's what Donald would think. Very much like Vladimir Putin rolling in to Ukraine. Yeah, again, again, Michael, nothing's crazy. Here's what we know about him. He wants to be an authoritarian. He loves Putin. He loves China Z. He loves uh, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, Kim Jong-un Mohammed ben Salman. Uh, Donald Trump wants to be a dictator. You give him a second term, well, then all bets are yeah, off. I totally agree. Now, Kevin McCarthy is trying to walk a fine line and not openly supporting Ukraine anymore. He's been invited by Zelensky to come to Ukraine and to see what's really going on there. But he's not gone. Is McCarthy now forced to be an extremist because of all the promises that he made to the extremists in order to get the speakership? Mike Lee's a coward. I served with McCarthy. McCarthy has no core. Look, here's the deal with McCarthy. Marjorie Taylor Greene has been squeezing his left testicle for the last two and a half months, and she's going to squeeze his testicle for the next two years. I don't mean to be crude, but you get my point. The point is she controls things. She and every member like her. McCarthy has no power here. He's doing what he's being told to do because, as you said, all he fucking wanted was to become speaker. Yes. Amazing. By the way, by the way, by the way, Michael, the only reason Tucker Carlson got all that footage is because Marjorie Taylor Greene told McCarthy to give it to Tucker. Yeah. And and, and there's going to be more of that these next two years. So, okay, since we're talking about Tucker, you think that Tucker Carlson, you know, cherry pick January 6th segment convinced anyone that the insurrection was just a peaceful protest or a group of tourists walking around the Capitol? I mean, is his audience, and I'm, again, is Tucker Carlson's audience just so hungry to be let off the hook that they'll believe his lies, especially when they know the truth? Yeah, uh, and Tucker's no dummy, Michael. Uh, like, I think Hannity's a dummy. Tucker's no dummy. Uh, uh, he, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows he's lying to his audience every night. And uh, to me, to be the, the, the best news that's come out of the last two weeks is Tucker's been exposed as an utter fraud. Because, again, the text, the emails, we now know what we always did. But now we know what Tucker really thinks about Trump and really thinks about the 2020 election. Uh, he's in, And, by the way, really thinks about January 6th. But he can't say any of that publicly. Okay, so let's go back, rewind a little bit to maybe a half hour ago in this segment. And we talked about the necessity of backing Donald Trump. Otherwise, the Jim Jordans of the world or the McCarthy's will lose their jobs. They'll lose their positions and they clearly don't want that. So how come it doesn't then translate to fucker Carlson? Because at the end of the day, fucker turns around and releases these tapes. They then come up with this concocted, you know, um, sort of version of it, making allegations. It's peaceful protests. Okay, that riles up the base. But then this leakage 
of all of these emails of Tucker and Hannity and this one and that one, all calling Donald what we know him to be, a fucking idiot, right? And that a person, and that a guy who's completely unhinged and he's lost it, he's full of shit, what's he doing? You know, I can't stand him. How come fucker hasn't lost his base? How come they still tune into him? Because all of Tucker Carlson's viewers are Donald Trump supporters. So if you're a Trump supporter and the guy who you're watching on television is legitimately a a hater, why are they still a liar and a liar? Well, forget about him being a liar. They, They want to be lied to, but they want to be lied to on behalf of their Fuhrer, which is Donald. But the guy who's lying to you hates the guy who you want to be lied to about. Why is it that they haven't ditched him yet? Um, most of Tucker's audience, Michael, doesn't know about the texts and the emails. I talk to these people every day. Most are not aware of what Tucker said privately. And Michael, the ones that are, most of them don't fucking believe it. It's all, it's all the New York Times or this is all CNN bullshit, Joe. That's what I get. That's what I get from them. Well, it's definitely not. C- but most don't know it. Most. Right. Uh-huh. It's definitely not CNN bullshit because CNN seems to be trying to pick off a lot of the Fox, you know, viewers now. And they're actually moving, you know, to uh, right of center. I'll tell you that with a bunch of their, you know, commentators and their talking heads and their political and legal analysts. You know, they're becoming they're becoming a uh, washed down version of Fox. Oh, oh, you're my you're my younger brother. You're smarter than I am. But I disagree there. Look. Look, Fox is off the charts because they're it's not it's beyond propaganda. And they're they're they tell lies. MSNBC. I go on MSNBC. A bunch MSNBC. Of I agree. I love going on. MSNBC. I'm talking about CNN. I love going on MSNBC. But MSNBC is left wing. Some CNN's trying to kind of be down the middle. It's not easy to do, though. Well, that's Michael. what I'm talking about. They have people who come on. Uh, they're pundits. They have no idea what they're talking about. And they're spewing basically the <laughs> right wing um, commentary. And it's, it's, it's amazing. They're beginning to lose a lot of their viewership as a direct result. So we'll see what happens, you know, with them. They may need to bring back Jeff Zucker after, you know, after all of this nonsense, because they're <laughs> going to start losing a shit ton of money. Could we go back to Ron DeSantis for one second? How do yeah. you think that DeSantis will play on the national stage? Because first and foremost, he has absolutely no foreign policy acumen at all. And then you have his book bans and his general hostility, you know, towards whatever he perceives to be woke. It doesn't make him into a leader. It just makes him into a hater. Do you think that this is a winning strategy for him if he actually wants to beat Trump as the nominee? So here's my take, Michael. I know DeSantis. Here's my take. You and I agree on Donald Trump. But the one thing you and I can say about Donald Trump is the guy's got charisma. It's all bullshit, but he's got charisma. Uh, Ron DeSantis, Michael, has fucking zero charisma. I mean, and he's like people say this. He's weird with people. He couldn't come on, Michael, and engage in small talk with you. Hey, did you hear Aaron Rodgers said he wants to play for the Jets? How fucking awesome is that? DeSantis can't have conversations like that. He's really weird when it comes to talk. The other thing is he's got a glass jaw. I mean, he cannot take a punch. He's really slow on his feet. 
and he's not very nice. So I don't think once he's out there, I don't think he's going to wear real well with most people. So who else is there that's available in the GOP party right now in order to actually give Donald a run for his money and potentially give Joe Biden a run for his money? Because if it's going to be a Biden-Trump too, which I just don't want to see. I hate to say it because I think Joe Biden is doing a great job and I wish to God that time was different. I have my concerns, not about what he's doing or his mental faculties today. I don't have a crystal ball about tomorrow. And that's what Donald Trump is going to be talking about. He's going to scare people that whoever his vice president is going to be, that's who's going to be your next president. Here's what we know, Michael. Here's the problem. The Republican Party base wants a dick. They want a jagoff. They want somebody cruel. They want an authoritarian. So right now, the only two people that fit that boat are Trump and DeSantis. If you get rid of DeSantis, if he falls by the wayside, there's nobody else. I mean, can Pompeo be an authoritarian dick? No, no. Nikki Haley? No. Michael, then, then there's nobody else on the Republican side. Then by default, it's going to be Trump again. I mean, this is, this is just no good. You know, it's like um, you really need somebody, I hate to say <laughs> it, like a Chris Christie, right, who you know, knows how to fight Donald Trump on the stage. Uh, and when I say the stage, I don't just mean you know, the one or two debates that he'll engage in. Yeah. I'm talking about into the national stage. So let's imagine then for a second, Joe, that the whole fucking house of cards comes down, right? Rupert Murdoch and Fox are found guilty in the Dominion case. Trump's found guilty of any one of a million things, right? And people finally start to go to jail. Accountability finally rears its head. Will Republican voters be able to discern fact from fiction? I mean, will they still choose to believe in the lies I think, Michael, in that nightmare scenario, Trump's indicted a few times, Fox goes down. I think 35, 40, 45 percent of the Republican Party vote is going to be firmly. I'm with Trump. I'm with Tucker. Uh, I, 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 you know, the deep state going after these people. Uh, they're not going to go anywhere. You and I may disagree on this, but if Trump's indicted one or two or three times, I think in the, within the party, I think it strengthens him. I don't think it hurts him. Mm, I, I, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that notion. You know, yeah, I know. He's got that death grip, right, on um, – remember when we were kids, G.I. Joe had the kung fu grip? Yeah. yeah. He's got that kung yeah. fu grip on 28% of the Republican base. That's what he really has. I think it's more, but okay, you're right. Let's, let's say 30. He doesn't have more than 30% as his diehard base. I believe that there are a lot of people that are waiting to see another Republican step up because they really don't want Donald, but they would sooner have Donald over Joe Biden, and that makes up part of that 30%. But you can't win a general election on 30%. And so... No, you can't. You can't, Michael. You can't. But I'd remind everybody, 
you know, Trump lost by what, 7 million votes, but Trump really only lost by 50,000 votes in three states. So we still do have the electoral college. So 2020 was still pretty damn close. But here's the other thing I'd say. Yeah, Trump's got a lock on 30% of the base of the party. But remember when the Mar-a-Lago story hit, Trump's numbers went through the roof because even a lot of Republicans outside of the 30% said, this isn't fair. They're going after Trump. My worry is that that comes into play again. And people beyond the 30 side with Trump if he's unfairly indicted in New York, for instance. Yeah, well, we'll see about that one. We'll have a dollar bet on that one. So, look, I also know, Joe, that at some point you're anti-abortion. And this week, a man in Texas is said to be suing his ex-wife and two of her girlfriends for the murder of his unborn child. Because they discussed his ex-wife's using abortion medication in a text thread. Now, where do you stand on this issue today? Now, especially now, right? As the U.S. becomes more and more and like the handmaid's tale. And Michael, I can't deny it, man. You're right. And in, in what was it in North Carolina? They want to imprison women who have a, a, abortions. Look, here's what I've always thought. I wanted it returned to the states. It was returned to the states. I think in most states, uh, reasonable Americans are going to come up with reasonable guidelines. In some of the crazy red states, you're going to get dangerous shit like this. And I think most of the American people, me included, would push back against it. So the cool thing about returning it to the states is it's going to turn off most Americans from how fucking extreme Uh, Some of these Republicans really are with the issue of abortion. Again, it's like you got to scratch your head and say, the fuck are we doing to ourselves? Could you imagine? Now you have government. We're a divided country, Michael Cohen. We are a divided country. We're now sitting and worrying about government involving themselves in the most private matter that a person can have to deal with the decision, right? Whether to have a child or to abort a child. They're now involved in your bedroom. They're involved in women's reproductive decisions and their life. And so this is so crazy to me. Whoever thought in our lifetime that we would see shit like this? Because as soon as this stuff starts panning out, what will ultimately happen is there are other laws that rest assured will also end up falling. Maybe it's not falling today because, again, they're concerned about election. But once the dictator himself gets in and he needs to keep pandering to this group, rest assured, there's yeah. more shit to come. I, 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 and I say this as somebody who's anti-abortion. I think most Americans in time are going to push back against this extreme shit Republicans are doing in a number of these states. I mean that. I think this is going to help Democrats. Yeah. And it should. So look, the hour goes by very quickly, and I can't thank you enough You're for the joining best, us. Michael Cohen. You're the I best. I have man. one last question for you, and I appreciate that. Joe and Joe, why don't you run in 2024? But here's my here's my <laughs> final question to you, because we discussed this before. Ah. But Biden is asking for a ban on assault weapons again. All right. One in four cops killed on the job is killed by an assault weapon. 
AR-15s are actually the, um, that's the weapon of choice by countless mass shooters, right? And I personally can't think of why. I really can't. I cannot think why average people need military-style assault weapons. Where do you stand on this issue? You are... You and I disagree. Again, I, what I love about coming on with you is, and by the way, I love that you always bring up abortion and guns because you generally, you believe in these issues. And I respect that, Michael. We disagree on this, man. Look, every damn near every gun sold in America today is a semi-automatic gun, period. Some of them look scarier like the AR-15, but they're all semi-automatic. They all do the same thing. You pull, you know, one squeeze of the trigger and out comes a bullet. I don't want to ban any semi-automatic weapons, but Michael, I'll join hands with you. We got to make it a hell of a lot harder for people to get a gun, especially people who shouldn't have a gun. So universal background checks, red flag laws. We need to do shit like that up front before a gun's bought. You and I could compromise well, on I told, that. And by the way, and I would compromise with you on that. Look, I was a guy who had firearms. I was licensed for concealed yeah. carry in New York City. Maybe one of only a thousand licenses that existed like that. All right. I had concealed full carry in New York City. I hope you I still do not. Are, once I lose it. I yourself. lost it as a result of the felony convictions. All right. And we'll probably I'm not even Fuck. allowed to carry pepper spray. All right. How about that one? I mean, the ah. whole thing is bullshit off of what? Trumped yeah. up bullshit tax issue? Donald Trump getting exactly. his mushroom pecker pulled? Come on. It's fucking stupid. And then the bad guys are all able to. My point being, let me go back to my whole point here about AR-15s. I personally don't believe that a weapon which is really designed for military use belongs in the hands of civilian. No different than a hand grenade, a ground-to-air rocket, a missile right? A rocket launcher. We're not supposed to have that sort of stuff for many, many reasons. You know, some of these um, high velocity rifles, I mean, they can shoot at a distance of like a mile away. There's absolutely no reason in the world why anyone needs to fire that. And the whole notion of Second Amendment says you have the right, you know, to bear arms. This isn't what they were talking about when they were referring to muskets. My point is here, I agree with you and I could compromise with you so long because I went through an extensive background check. I have one speeding ticket in my entire life before these yeah. felonies, 1985. I've never even had a parking ticket. They put me through the ringer in order to get my license. And I believe everybody, there should be a cool down period. You shouldn't be able to, allowed to want to buy a gun on a Monday and actually buy it on a Monday because you don't know what's going on in that person's life? How many times have we seen that happen? Proper background checks. I'm with you on that 100%. And I would even at this point in time say, despite the fact that I don't think anyone should own an AR-15 or an AK-47 or any of those, no problem. As long as we have proper background checks, I'll deal with that for today and make America a safer place. I think, and Michael, that's... That's the sweet spot. And look, I'm a big gun guy. That's where the two sides can come together and make a difference on doing shit as much as we can before a gun is bought. And by the way, most gun owners like me support doing stuff like that. But once you start talking about banning this or that, 
you lose half of America. You lose me. But it's a great topic. It most certainly is. It's an important issue. Uh, John, let me thank you again for joining me on Mayor Culpa. Please, maybe throw your hat into the ring 2024. Right, Joe Walsh? Um, I'll think about it, Michael. I'll think about it, man. uh, Joe, thank you again for joining me. It's always great to see you, brother. And um, stay in touch. I haven't seen you in a while. So stay in touch. Hey, hey, Michael, I just want to say this, man. And I know people say this to you. Thank you for what you do. I mean that, my friend. You've got so many fucking people out here thinking about you and praying for you, brother. I Thank mean you, it. my friend. And I will see you very soon. Thanks, Michael. And now for today's mea culpa. He's the tax cheat and yet one of our most prominent businessmen. He's gay, but conservative, or more to the point, a libertarian. He's a political activist that always errs on the side of capitalism. Now, can you guess who this oxymoron is? He's this week's biggest asshole. He's Peter Thiel. Thiel is many things, but above all, he's really rich. He's fucking rich. I mean, mega rich, beyond rich. He's so rich that he can afford to be friends with Ann Coulter. And Peter, by the way, is a giver. Unlike Trump, the guy is actually a giver. So for instance, he gave millions of dollars to the conservative Club for Growth, whose agenda is focused on cutting taxes. And Peter hates taxes. He's the co-founder, by the way, of PayPal. He has money in Facebook, SpaceX, as well as in crypto. The technology that he develops exerts an enormous cultural and economic influence over our lives. Like an Oz figure, he qu- he's just sitting there quietly pulling the strings of countless lives. He's also an angel investor and a leader in the development of AI, which happens to stand for artificial intelligence. Because actual workers cost money. The Teal Fellowship annually awards $100,000 to 20 people under the age of 23 in order to spur them to drop out of college and create their own ventures. Now, according to Teal, college is only good if you have no idea what to do with your life. So he actively poaches kids away from school and into his labs. He has donated money to Trump, of course, and mentor J.D. Vance and Blake Masterson as well. He also funded Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. I mean, that alone should qualify him for some sort of bad karma. But who and what Peter Thiel really is should scare the shit out of all of us. And why? Because Thiel, for all of his wealth, has an equal amount of power and he is using it to destroy our democracy. Now, Thiel explained in a 2009 essay that he had come to no longer believe that freedom and democracy are compatible, due in large part to welfare beneficiaries and women in general being notoriously tough libertarians' constituencies. Sounds a lot like he hates women, and his business partner Elon Musk sure does. And he and Elon also share a pathological political ideology that reminds me of, in a word, fucking fascism. Thiel taught a class at Stanford and then turned it into a book called Zero to One. He talks about how companies are better run than governments because they have a single decision maker. Well, you know what we call that? A dictator. 
Teal thinks democracy is for suckers, and that's pretty scary when you consider the role his companies play in the world. He's in media, space, and did I mention he's also a defense contractor? He does not think everyone should have a right to vote, and he loves Trump for his pure nihilism. If you don't know about Teal's Gawker lawsuit, well, Google it, because Teal's vendetta against Gawker shut the paper down. But last week, Peter Teal killed a bank. He pulled all his funds out of Silicon Valley Bank first, and then ordered his sheep to follow. Now, just like Rupert Murdoch sabotaged the media and Koch family sabotaged the Supreme Court, Thiel has sabotaged our banking industry. At some point, both the government and the public need to recognize that Peter Thiel is deliberately trying to destabilize our country. He's trying to destroy our democracy and replace it whatever it is that fascists wants. Plutocratic autocracy. Or maybe he's just like to be crowned king himself. Anyway, consider yourself warned. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth. This is 